And it depends on if you're like a B2B or B2C company or B2B2C. But essentially, it starts with who is your freaking audience? Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. <laughs> Hello, guys. Welcome. Today we are going to discuss more about creating brand awareness, a powerful brand mission, how you find yours, because it's very important today. We can't rely on SEO, on digital marketing, or at any other channel if you have no your strong brand recognition. It's very important today. We can't rely on algorithms. Anything can change, but if you have your brand recognition, you can have a loyal audience. You had, can have loyal customers and go ahead. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Angela Gronenthal. How are you? I'm great. You said the last name perfectly, by the way. Congratulations. Oh, it's my first time. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> I, I, I can train a hundred times and fail a hundred times, but yeah, it, it happens, you know. <laughs> so, uh, okay, Angela, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, so first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited. This is a, I was telling you um, backstage that this is the first time I'm with my new last name. So this is a very official for me. Um, so a little bit about me and my background. I actually started off as a, in fashion. I was a fashion stylist for many years in New York. And, you know, I, that's, I think it's a, a very common passion for a lot of young girls, as you, you know, um, as you know. So I followed that, followed my dream, my dreams, uh, went to Milan uh, to study properly fashion, uh, did a master's in fashion styling, landed in New York, and was doing that for 10 years. Super happy, like kind of oblivious to the world, as you can imagine. Um, and at the 10 year mark, like something hit me and it hit a lot of my peers at the same time about like, what are we doing? What are we, what value are we adding to the world? It felt like a very vapid. And I say this kindly because I love fashion, but like the particular bubble I was in was really judgmental, um, and harsh and kind of like not really adding any value to the world. So I, you know, quick jumps from that and then head into, um, I went to, B school actually went to California, uh, set up my MBA and essentially try to buy myself two years. I didn't know what I wanted to do next and um, knew that I was good at marketing or had a natural knack for marketing. So I wanted to study a little bit more. To get into B school, you have to like, you know, really tell a story about yourself. So I like lean into the fashion background. I was like, oh, I want to apply to, to entertainment. Um, and that led me to USC. While I was there, um, I found the same sort of things I didn't like about fashion at the time within the entertainment industry. Um, and so I had to start from scratch again. Now now I'm in school and um, you know, I'm from the Bay Area. I thought, let me go back to like my, my Silicon Valley roots, my entrepreneurial roots. What would I do if I had to start from over and like do my own company or kind of like, yeah, what would I do? I figured I really wanted to add impact. So that became my storyline. That was my personal brand was like adding impact. How am I going to do that? I'm going to find brands that I can align with that hopefully will take a risk on me. What kind of companies are those? At the time, it was not CPG and really legacy established brands. It was startups 
well, what startup in California or in LA specifically can I go for that will help me tell my story, help me kind of in a way, not erase, but but translate my fashion background. And oddly enough, the company that took a chance on me was Tesla Motors. So Tesla was, you know, doing, had their own um, non-strategy marketing strategy, which is they don't adhere to a traditional marketing program, if you will. Um, but what they do have is a very strong brand. So how do we leverage that brand to get people to actually buy into it, fanboy, fangirl, and hopefully at one point afford and get, you know, spend their hard earned money on like a car. This is before Model 3. This is before the mass market production car was, was out. So um, yeah, I loved my experience with Tesla. I loved creating impact. That became my through line. So while I was in school, I also um, co-founded a healthcare company called White Coat. That was also kind of like, again, adding impact. And I started to realize the power of, of being an industry agnostic. Marketing, you can apply to any industry. Marketing, can you can apply, you can apply those principles to any, um, yeah, any company, essentially, obviously. So I didn't feel pigeonholed within within my, um, you know, within EVs or within fashion or within healthcare or whatever. So that became like my story was like, how can I take these principles and apply them across different industries, knowing that my personal brand was impact. Awesome. I love your story. Awesome. Awesome background. And I think people who love passion, they're so creative. I cooperate with many marketers and uh, I know if someone uh, has the passion uh, about fashion, you know, it, it, it helps to be creative. It's very important in marketing. I don't know how to stand out from the rest without creativity, but <laughs> in fashion, <laughs> people know how to stand out from the rest because it's part of the job. Angela, can you tell about uh, what can help, could help you to push forward? I mean, like when you started your entrepreneurial journey, uh, I know uh, some people, especially from my audience, who uh, dislike their jobs, but they need to pay bills. <laughs> no, they need to pay bills. Yes. And according to data, 70% of people hate their jobs. It's a lot. No? And uh, for me, it's important to be happy. Uh, and uh, I don't care about money, about achievements, if I'm not happy. I like to enjoy the process. So I can leave some money on the table, but I only go to the direction where I can feel happiness and uh, let me share my short story uh, yeah you know uh, i remember when i started one project because of chasing money i didn't care about this project uh, i found the way how i can fill the market gap and that was a big mistake <laughs> i hated monday i loved friday and got it i couldn't go ahead <laughs> like this and i gave up i uh, closed this project uh, I spent a lot of resources, I hired a lot of people, I fired all of them, but um, that was my mistake and I learned from that to be happy. And when you shared your story, I get your energy, you know, I get your energy uh, that you are passionate about that. So can you tell how you started, uh, why you started, because it's a risk, you mentioned about risk, it's a big risk, You uh, 95% of new businesses fail why you decided to go overhead this number <laughs> so you know it's interesting i um 
it is a luxury to do to like what you do to love what you do what any of the above and most people like you were saying in that statistic they do live for the paycheck they have to and particularly um, i think it's true everywhere but it's very very painfully true in america because you really have to fend for yourself as as uh with respect to like um even your own health care right um which is why like i failed to mention earlier, my current position is I'm back in healthcare again, and I couldn't be happier. I'm a VP of marketing at Nice Healthcare. And that's one of the, like, we understand the pain points of the American healthcare system and how people really do have to take it upon themselves to, um, for something that is a, should be a human or basic right or basic need. Um, having said that, it is a, it is a luxury right and the how i how i propelled myself to go forward um with that risk is i was very lucky i'm not gonna lie um i had a an escape plan i had a parachute if you will and that was my my family so um i come from silicon valley i was raised in palo alto very entrepreneurial family so my dad is a serial entrepreneur. He, you know, um, founded a business and basically doing semiconductors um, in the perfect, talk about right time, right place, like immigrant story, very, very, the, 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 the goal immigrant to America story, right? And found himself in the Silicon Valley in the 80s and 90s and like hit, a, hit, a gold mine, uh, quote unquote, with like being, like being able to deliver a need he identified the gap in the market. Now, the funny thing is that like his passion is architecture, but he identified a gap in the market and was like, I need to provide for my family. I'm going to, this is the gap in the market. I'm going to make, I'm going to make it happen. And now because of that, he can now do his dream, which is development and, and architecture. Um, so because of that, I came to my father with like, here are my choices um, after school. I've got this job lined up. I've got this thing I'm passionate about, which is a, I co-founded again, the company that I co-founded it's healthcare. I know, you know, I have no experience in healthcare technically, but I'm passionate about this, the impact that we're making. And he essentially was like, if you, um, if you jump and he's like, he, he said, jump. And if you, if you fall, I'll catch you. So that was my parachute. Um, for those who don't have that luxury, there's, powers in micro steps, if you will. Um, I think, I think actually in this day and age, identifying your passion is, is almost the hard part. Um, I myself have gone through a few existential crises of like, what do I even want to do? And that's how, you know, it took me a very long to get here. It took, and sometimes I still explore. I sometimes I still revisit my journals and be like, am I, not in necessarily my accomplishing what I wanted, but like, am I still lining up or aligned with who I thought I was going to be? Um, and so taking those micro steps and not seeing it as, a, as a, this really big thing, I've got to make this kind of money or I've got to have this, whatever your goal is, whether it's like this prize, these people in my life, whatever the status. Um, and then, yeah, if you can take it down into micro steps, I think that's very helpful. That's what's been helpful for me. Awesome, awesome. I think you, you are a good storyteller. You know, I like your stories. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, <laughs> it's part of our job to share stories. And, uh, you know, I think it's better to have 
passion than background because if you have passion you can acquire experience faster than someone without passion because uh, people who have uh, passion they can learn on saturday evening on sunday night you know because it's like it's like hobby you know when you can uh, uh, not sacrifice your other hobbies but you can enjoy the process of learning and instead of watching tv you can learn about healthcare uh, even if you have no experience and uh, i usually promote uh, big brands in different niches and once i helped one website uh, in weight loss niche i didn't know anything about that but i spent time to learn about weight loss and you know i found one secret the best way to lose weight is to drink water. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It reminds me to take a sip. But um, the interesting thing is, you know, like with with respect to like marketing, um, when when the company's like when you know, let's say your boss's goal is like, I want to go viral, make me go mm-hmm. viral. That's not the that's not the right way to phrase it, and that will never work. The um, and if you'll see, like, you know, the content that resonates is like passionate content that people made for them not because to sell something or to like um because on the behalf of a company you know what i'm trying to say so like that rings true and i think with this generation like we have to be very careful because um the difference between like gen z and millennials when it when it comes to being sold to there's a big nuance and gen z is whip smart and they can read right through you when you're trying to when you don't have um messaging or passion behind what your your content is yeah awesome awesome we have the question about your marketing strategy especially if we want to touch brand mission can you tell how to unite marketing strategy to stand out from the rest and think about creating this brand awareness and brand mission so brand awareness and so brand mission it's it all starts from that um i think as powerfully like quite honestly there you know there's a difference between like i ha- i i have cute things i want to sell and i don't have a mission behind it and i just like they're just i have a boutique an online store and i'm just going to make some things and i want to sell them. and that's fine too and you can you can make a lot of money doing that um but when you want to take your you know when you want brand loyalty and you when you take your audience on a journey with you like they have to believe and so if you um you know start crafting your brand mission you start there like who's your audience, the stuff you can find online, like this is not groundbreaking stuff, but you know, who's your audience? Like what, uh, you know, what moves the needle for you? (laughs) It's my dogs, you know, they usually take part on my podcast. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Hi puppers. Um, And so, you know, and then you start layering it with, um, you start layering it with like, with, with different things that are, okay, I'm going to talk about Gen Z for instance. Like for them, social issues and activism is part of the brand mission. Like, you know, those the days of 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 not having a voice when it comes to that stuff or not or not putting your, your money where um where it should be, quote unquote. Like they follow, they follow the money. So like your brand mission and values have to be so lock tight, airtight, because it cannot be performative. So if you say a thing, but you donate to the wrong uh organization your your brand mission like they'll your brand mission and your and your marketing strategy and your output do not align so for me transparency 
be and like um on your in your brand mission like be strong whatever you stand for be strong in what you stand for um and the rest will sort of follow if that makes sense so i usually start with that and that, that's even how i choose the companies i work with i need to believe in the brand mission i need to believe in the ceo and the c-suite the leadership team specifically who they like who they are as people in their personal lives, um, like if if they are performing while they're at work, or they really are, they really believe. So like that to me is all very important, and like it, it shows, right? It shows when like what you're saying, identifying a gap in the market. It is it shows when someone works for you, or works with you, and they're just identifying a gap in the market, or you know they're just doing a job versus mm-hmm. like fueling like, their their passion as a career. Nice, nice, love it, love it, Angela. I want to ask about crazy brand mission uh, or uh, when we have the feeling it's impossible. Uh, for example, I remember, uh, for example, Sony. Sony, uh, after the Second World War, uh, decided to change uh, the picture of uh, Japan because of uh, of uh, what happened. And the second, uh, all world uh, thought that Japan can create only poor quality products. So Sony decided to change this picture to create uh, new technologies uh, that can surprise the world uh, that was created in Japan. Uh, for example, you mentioned about Tesla. Elon Musk uh, has the goal to achieve the moon. You know, it's like uh, impossible for most of us, but Elon Musk lives with this dream. And I think it's a good idea to have such missions. What do you think? If uh, small entrepreneurs, small businesses can create such missions, but it looks impossible, but uh, I don't know. Probably it can encourage you to work hard every single day and surprise others. What do you think about that? <laughs> I mean, that's the goal, right? Because you really do need, um, that's what I was saying about micro steps. Like you should have this like moonshot goal, like this, like over, like borderline impossible goal. Um, and then work towards it. Like Elon, like for, you know, he's for better, for worse, like he's a great example of accomplishing that. I don't think he, um, I think, I don't think he woke up one day and was like, or maybe he did, maybe he woke up one day and was like, I want to go to, I want to go to Mars. Um, And then, but it wasn't just talk. It wasn't just lip service. Like he's working towards those things. And those are micro steps. Like you know, transportation Microsoft was Tesla. The next Microsoft was SpaceX. Do you know what I mean? So like he's, mm-hmm. um, it's a good example of, of like lofty ideas that might sound crazy to someone, um, but working towards them. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. I think Elon Musk achieved today a lot than a million people can do it. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think uh, he needs to find motivation to go ahead. <laughs> to, and yeah, I hope he will achieve the moon. Uh, why not? Yeah, it will be a big step for humanity. Uh, Angela, I want to ask about uh, creating brand awareness. Uh, can you tell? Uh, of course, I, I don't like the best practices, the best way. But uh, uh, for example, how to find the best way for specific company to create? brand awareness from your experience? So it's interesting because, um, you know, marketing, you have the marketing mix, right? So you've got PR, events, social, digital, um, collateral, brand itself. 
and you just pull the levers. So everyone, everyone essentially has the same playbook or like matrix. And you just have to decide what, let's say like of your pie, how much goes, to, how, many of your, how much of your resource goes to each of these levers. And it depends on if you're like a B2B or B2C company or B2B2C, but essentially it starts with who is your freaking audience. And for a lot of people, um, I think that they, they don't spend enough time really understanding their audience. So, you know, um, like I said, I'm, I'm for, I lived in New York. I now live in LA and it's very, like, I'm always on social media. So I would think because I'm always in social media, like most people apply their, like, apply their marketing strategy as if they themselves are the audience, but you're not always your company's audience. So, um, so like, I remember my first big mistake, huge was um, we had a social media budget, right? We were, we were, we were this is for White Coat, we was like um, doing healthcare again. And so we spent all this money on social media, on Facebook ads, digital marketing, et cetera, because like, that's how it would sell to me, right? Because like, I'm like, well, I'm always on these things. Why wouldn't anyone else be on these things? But didn't dawn on me that when you're sick, you're not scrolling for your doctor. You're not looking for your healthcare solution um on on social media you're 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 doing other you're like googling you're you know you're like on webmd you're like trying to fix it yourself but you yourself are not going to like look for your doctor on social media this is like 2013 time frame 2014 time frame so things are a little bit different now there are doctors that have social media presence and that, that is a big currency of of the of today and and the future but understanding where your audience actually is so if you or, um, you know, marketing uh, to people who are not digitally savvy or not tech savvy, or they value, um, let's say they value family and religion, but you're like holding happy hours for them like that. Those two don't make sense. Right. So things that work for you may not work for your audience. So know your audience really well, putting yourself in their shoes, putting yourself in their mind. Your, their mindset, understanding what's important to them is like, is I think the key, um, you know, it's, it's funny because people think like, how do you, how do like right now we're, you know, advertising or marketing towards a market that I, I, I Angela know nothing about, but because I'm putting myself in, I'm doing the research, putting in the work and putting myself in their shoes. I'm seeing like, Oh, I like my assumptions that I had about, um, the, the, the marketing mix that I was telling you about though that formula doesn't, doesn't work here. And why, and now I understand why. So I think like understanding, like, you know, you have to learn the rules in order to break them. Right. So like you learn all this marketing stuff, marketing mix stuff, but then you understand which lever is a pull when you realize who your audience actually is. Love it. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. We need to create everything for your audience, ideal customer profile. And Angela, I want to ask about uh, one interesting thing. For example, uh, if we are talking about uh, content marketing, I know that people are not ready to pay a dollar for prevention, but they will pay $1,000 for uh, treatment. Now, and uh, healthcare probably is on the, on the same boat because uh, I, I, I can't think about healthcare today, but tomorrow something can happen and uh, I need to think about that. So can you tell how to create sales funnel uh, for people 
who don't expect, don't think about that, but uh, it's life, we don't know, it's unpredictable, something can uh, bring new surprises to us, uh, bad surprises, but we need to, uh, I don't know, to move fast to decide them. So, I mean, like, for example, let me share an example about a lawyer, and he found that uh, most of his clients uh, play golf. So, he started to create content about golf. And to submit call to action uh, to get million dollar contracts uh, because of uh, taking his clients uh, when they learn about golf. <laughs> so can you tell about uh, uh, creating sales funnel for healthcare? Yeah, and I think what you said just right now about um, they won't, no one wants to spend a dollar to prevent, but they'll they'll throw money at the problem when it becomes a problem to solve is so like chef's kiss. Like that's so apt because that's, that's, that is the, I think one of the root issues of, um, of, of healthcare in, in general, because of the way that America's framed it right in other countries, healthcare is treated as a preventative thing. And so how do we get, to what we are, it's, it's also like how um, things are, are being kind of um, paid out. So how do we get from the, how do we get the philosophy of that applied over here? Um, we are, Nice Healthcare, um, to be clear, is where I work now, is we're a B2B company. And so our sales um, funnel is, it's interesting. We, you know, healthcare is not something that's like a direct, um, in America, you don't just go to healthcare directly. You work with the broker, you work with a third party to um, receive your healthcare solutions. So I don't know if, I'm, if you're frozen or if I'm frozen. Are we good? Um, but at, at any rate, so, you know, um, that's like essentially having a, a third party um or external sales force on your behalf, which I think is really powerful for them, like getting them trained up on, on what we do inside and out, like them being our, you know, being involved in the services as well. Like they know what they themselves are, you know, have user services like that is because word of mouth will, will never go out of style. Right. Like when someone actually like is a believer because they what their lives were changed from like your service or your product, like that kind of advocacy um, will always be one of the most powerful tools that a marketer can have, like hearing it from someone's mouth, like how the experience affected them. Um, but uh, essentially, so like, yeah, like that marketing mix I was telling you about, like we do, we have to pull those levers. We have to get PR involved. We have to get, um, you know, digital assets involved, et cetera, um, along with to, to accompany what our external sales team is doing. Now, um, getting them, getting patients, the ultimate end user is going to be the patient, but getting them to understand why it's so important to be proactive about your health and, and treat it from a preventative state is we actually do have studies um, and white, we've created white papers right about what preventative health can do like how much how much money it can prevent down the road if you just take these few steps now um you know we have to put it in very non we have to put it in like layman's terms in 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 um in marketing materials that like speak to the patient they don't want to read like a they don't want to read like a statistical graph 
they don't want to have like a, they don't want to have homework. So how do we create this content pieces for them? How do we, how do we trickle down, trickle out um, the, the learnings so that they can like, kind of like come to the conclusion themselves in a way. Right. And yeah, so we have like a program around like, you know, like with, with touch points, with different touch points um, along the way to reinforce our messaging. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice volleyball. Uh, I want to ask about <laughs> your management style. Uh, your VIP marketing uh, marketer. Can you tell how to manage a team of marketers? Because I often do it. I love to learn from others because uh, uh, I work globally. Uh, I have people in my team. Uh, I outsource marketers if I uh, have no experience in my team. So, uh, for example, I cooperate with PR experts, with social media experts. It works well. Uh, and I know it's not simple to manage them, to encourage, uh, to get great results. It takes time. So tell about your management style, how you can encourage people to go to go ahead. <laughs> I... I love my management style, I have to say, or I, I, I feel very proud of the leader that I am. And I say that because I have gotten a lot of unsolicited feedback about what, uh, I mean, from, from my own team and from others looking in about like how I manage my team. Um, I really have, I'm proud of our work output and our team camaraderie, etc. So my style, um, I have a, so even though I'm a marketer, I have an operations mind. So I, my, my, my kind of like where I started off and doing marketing in the beginning, um, before I kind of like found my, my zone was a lot of marketing operations, right? So like I am very logical, very rational. Um, and when I, you know, I, well, one, it starts with a hire who are you hiring? Sometimes you don't have the, you don't have the luxury. You have to just throw a body at the problem. You just want someone who just like can, can like, you know, work on a team and you'll train them along the way. Um, and you know, if you can see that potential in someone, fantastic, fantastic. And how they want to be nurtured and, and, and how they want to grow. I, you know, built a team, um, a I guess last, and mm, is it two years ago, maybe like a year and a half, two years ago, and the team chemistry was like on fire. And I think a lot of it had to do with, um, you know, I had someone who was like my right hand. It was just the two of us for a very long time. And when we got the, the go ahead to build out a team, I empowered this person to also inter like, you know, to, to make a decision with me. It wasn't that he just like woke up one day and was like, here's your new teammate. So he was part of the process. And because we could like, we could figure out the team chemistry together there was no, you know, that hurt feelings. And um, it was just only, only positivity and only, you know, wanted to grow. And in addition to that, after this is, you know, you have to hire them before you ask them. But after they were hired, I um, had them take like a, I think it's called a Clifton Strengths test. So I had them take like a, a strength test to, and, and shared my results. So we I put them on a matrix to see like where our weak points are, where our strong points are, where we overlap, where there was like some gaping holes. And um, from that, like under start to understand like how they want to be communicated to, how they want to learn and grow, how to, what would motivate them each individually as a team as well, but also individually, because not everyone has the same motivator, right? So some people it's worth it. It's like for them, they need, they need public, very visible, 
affirmation. So, you know, we have this awesome channel in at Nice Healthcare where I very vocally will talk about like someone's accomplishments. Some it's like, I don't care if the whole, if the company sees it, but I care if leadership sees it. So then I'll give them opportunities to present to leadership. Like we have executive meetings, leadership meetings. If something that if they're working on a really cool pro project needs more eyes on it. And it's like, show this off. I don't have ego about, I know I didn't do this work, but you know, I, we all helped because you're part of the team, but like, I want to give you your flowers, come show, come present to the CEO and the C-suite your work. And when they started to see like, oh, like usually my boss takes all the credit and I don't see the, I don't see, I never meet leadership, but I'm very transparent. I open up the doors and if that's something to them, like attract to leadership, like I will help them take that, that those steps. So for me, like gaining trust um, and like a two-way trust is really important. Transparency is very important. They were, I mean, my team, like, like anything that like, they need to know. I told them right away. So it was never kind of like, well, I had no idea that was coming. So it's, um, you know, really important. And that's, I think why I had a really successful team. Awesome. Yeah. I want to <laughs> be part of this team. <laughs> yeah. Your style, like? yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask about uh, mistakes, you know, <laughs> for example, uh, I found that uh, uh, it's important to do mistakes. And I do a lot of mistakes. I made a lot of terrible mistakes, some of them slight mistakes, but I keep doing them. And uh, uh, I usually start myself almost everything. Um, when I started PR, I failed. I wrote a bunch of press releases. I failed with all of them. Uh, I pitch all of them and fail again and again and again. But I learn how it works. I learn how the process looks like. And I hired specialists who can write great press releases um, and uh, many of them can write for Forbes, Bloomberg, we usually help uh, investing and trading websites. And uh, then I learn how to pitch them and cooperate with experts who can do it. So I, I, I Sometimes you can feel I'm jack of all trades, you know, master of none, because no. I can touch almost everything, <laughs> fail, but I know how to control and manage others. And uh, I usually tell my team, do mistakes as well. Just make any mistakes. It doesn't matter because you can't be creative without doing mistakes. Uh, even if something works, your goal is to get ну, double results, for example. So tell mistakes that you can make uh, and how you can learn from them. I mean, like how analyze, measure results and think how to make uh, next time differently, much better. Sure. So I'm, I'm similar to you, the sort of like, um, uh, you know, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> but, um, but that's okay because, you know, to your point, like we create the teams, we build the teams of to, fill the gaps for us and to um, that their specialty is our weakness. Right. And so, yeah, like I encourage mistakes as well. It's, it's interesting because our company also encourages mistakes. We have an mm. oops channel. So this oops channel is where everyone puts in there, like um, what they're there, if they had a mistake that they made um, and it could be, it could be little or big, but the point is it's like a safe space it's transparency and that people can learn, oh, I did, I was going to do that too. So when they see this, 
when they see that like making a mistake is no big deal, it's not that like, oh, keep making mistakes. It's like it's that share so that no one else hides it. Because sometimes like when you make a mistake and you and you hide it, you suppress it. If you don't address it, it just compounds and becomes a bigger thing that you have to. It's the same thing as being proactive versus prevent uh, versus like, you know, what you're saying about healthcare. Like, like if you don't, if you're not proactive about it, you'll deal with a bigger problem down the road. If you're not proactive about your, your mistake, owning up to it, understanding that it was a mistake. By the time you want to talk about it, it'll probably be a much bigger one. So, um, you know, we are very, we have a, a, a very loving and safe space culture when it comes to that kind of stuff here. Um, and I try to apply it to my team as well. I, it, it was hard for me because I am a perfectionist and, and um, I don't like admitting when I make mistakes, um, but it's a change that I've um, happily evolved with, like from being at this company, embracing the mistakes. Now you, by measurement, like we hope that you don't make the same mistake again. Like you hopefully will make the, it the one time or maybe one or two times. But if, if we're seeing in the oops channel, you're, you're constantly saying the same thing. That's probably not a good look. Right. Um, and, you know, we have to test stuff all the time. We have to test our messaging all the time. Um, and so, you know, I believe in small tests, um, putting small resources against it and, um, you know, when figuring out if, if it's like a, like a fail fast strategy. If it doesn't work, fail it fast, move on. Do not try to make fetch happen. Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.